0: Welcome to Are You Quizzing Me? I'm Vineet Nair with my co host Aditya Kashyap. This is a Quizzing Trivia podcast show. Join us as we dive deep into history, science, sport, pop culture, and so much more. Let's get quizzing. And we're back for episode number 44 of Are You Quizzing Me. Aditya and I are back with uh, your favorite quizzing podcast show. Before we start today's episode, there is the small matter of the audience question, which I answer at the end of the episode. So, X is an honorific bestowed by the State of Israel, commemorated by a medal. Those recognized by this honorific title are honored in a section of Yad Vashem, Israel's official memorial to the victims of the Holocaust. Identify this honorific and the reason why it's conferred. I'll just repeat the question. X is an honorific bestowed by the State of Israel, commemorated by a medal. Those recognized with the honorific X are honored in a section of Yad Vashem, Israel's official memorial to the victims of the Holocaust. What is this honorific X and what's the reason it's conferred? I'll answer this question at the end of the episode. And before we go to the regular questions that we ask each other in a back and forth fashion, Aditya has a banger of a question that he had kept us on tenterhooks for from last episode. So, Aditya, what was your question and what is your answer?
1: Vineet, my question last week was, what word would be common between both English and Telugu and would make a lot of sense because it is common between these two languages? And I realized the answer was right there, as my weekly answers always are. Or at mm-hmm. least I find them and then I pretend they were right there. And here's where some basic knowledge of English helps. Because as any child who starts learning English knows that there are five vowels in English, right? What are they beneath? A, E, I, O, U. Yes. And if you were to pronounce them all together, it basically sounds like Ayo. Which is a very common word in most Dravidian languages, including Telugu. So if "io" was a word in English, it would make learning English so much easier because it is a word made entirely of vowels and no other consonants. And that would be so simple and beautiful. I I imagine Telugu should definitely loan English that word.
0: I don't want to burst your bubble, but "io" has officially been introduced into the Oxford English Dictionary.
1: Well, I definitely knew that. I'm not... (laughs) yeah <laughs> we saw that coming i guess <laughs> <laughs> guys just to be completely frank here this is a morning recording session for are you quizzing me which yeah. does not happen normally so if we do sound a bit off <laughs> it's probably because of the morning hours but hey let's assume that it's going to be as great an episode as always okay
0: Yes, in spite of the fact that we are like vampires being blinded by the sun right now. Uh, as Aditya mentioned, I.O. is in fact a word which is it's spelled A-I-Y-O. And it was, I think in the past couple of years, I'm not sure which year, I would have to look it up. But it has been included in the Oxford English Dictionary. And it, it is, as he also mentioned, a universal among the South Indian languages, the Dravidian languages. Malayalam, Kannada, Telugu, Tamil. So it all basically is like an interjection. You basically express it to express you know, distress or regret or fear or things like that.
1: So then my appeal is to OED to change the official spelling and make it A-E-I-O-U. Just, just for the lols of it. Io
0: <laughs> Another fact, and I like the fact that you went with vowels with Telugu because I remember, again, this is just off the top of my head. I remember there was this uh, European traveler, I don't remember his name, who called Telugu The Italian of the East, the Italian language of the East, because apparently the the Italian language and the Telugu language share this thing where a lot of words end in vowels. So Aditya, your vowel thing does make sense in a way. I definitely
1: knew that as well. Thanks, Vinita.
0: (laughs) and sort of my
1: ridiculous answers. I appreciate (laughs) it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, so after those shenanigans, Aditya, why don't we start off with a question from your side?
1: All right. Let me begin the proceedings. Vineet, which Indian TV show actually originated in Brazil in 2007, also had a Pakistani version and finally came to India in June of 2012 and was revamped recently in 2023?
0: You lost me there uh, when you said Indian TV show. (laughs) I don't watch a lot of Indian TV, but is this like a reality show?
1: You know what? I should correct myself here. Not necessarily a TV show, but it's more of a series. So I use the word TV show very
0: liberally here. It's more of a series. Okay. Okay. So when you say TV show, my mind automatically goes to, you know, reality TV shows and game shows and things like that. Okay, fine, fine. So a TV series that came from Brazil and then to Pakistan and then to India. And it was revamped recently. 2012, you said, right?
1: 2012 was when it first launched in India, yes.
0: Okay, my knowledge of Indian TV series from that time is a little poor. Like the my go-to answer to for everything is CID or AHAD.
1: Mm. Okay, so this is not a fictional uh, series. Let me give you some more information about this.
0: Okay. It, Like I said,
1: it originated in Brazil in 2007. Uh-huh. It came to Pakistan in 2008 and it was wildly popular in Pakistan. It has had 14 seasons in Pakistan.
0: Oh, wait, is this Coke Studio?
1: It is Coke Studio. You are right. Oh. <laughs>
0: Because I was just thinking of what we would have copied, like what, what would have been popular in Pakistan, which we would have gone over. Yeah, na- yes. Now now the question makes a lot of sense. Yes, Coke. Also, Coke Studio started in Brazil.
1: Huh? That is actually what was the most interesting part of this question for me. That it started in 2007 in Brazil as a unique fusion music project that aimed to blend two contrasting Brazilian artists and their musical styles. So that's when it first started. I really want to find more... Uh, of coke studio brazil information of videos or music i haven't been able to find it so if any listener wants to share it with us i'd be very grateful please send it to us on our social media or on our email more information at the end of the episode but uh yeah it started in brazil in 2007 it became wildly popular in pakistan starting 2008 but every season feels unique in some way shape or form and uh, there have been just absolute viral successes from coke studio that have been popular in both india and pakistan and uh, in 2012 coke studio launched in india do you know what was it called in 2012 when it was launched in india
0: it wasn't called coke studio india
1: it wasn't called coke studio oh okay in
0: 2012 it was just called coke studio i think
1: Coke studio at mtv it was an mtv oh uh, okay
0: it was an mtv thing okay yeah
1: so in India, it was called Coke Studio at MTV and then in 2023, it relaunched
0: and the name is? I just listened to Khalasi, man. I don't see the credits.
1: <laughs> well, okay. If you had noticed the Khalasi, even if you watch the video, you'd see it, uh, the background very clearly says Coke Studio Bharat.
0: Bharat. Okay. Yeah. That's the current trend right now. Yeah. They
1: also have a Coke Studio Tamil version and that one is called Coke Studio Tamil.
0: Okay. Uh, I have no segue into this. so I'm just going to ask the question. Uh, X is an fictional character published in the USA by magazine publisher Street and Smith with writing by writer Walter B. Gibson. Originally created to be a mysterious radio show narrator and developed into a distinct literary character in 1931 by Gibson himself, X has been adapted into other forms of media, including American comic books, comic strips, serials, video games and feature films. The radio drama included episodes voiced by Orson Welles. And when Bob Kane and Bill Finger first developed Batman, they patterned the character after pulp mystery men such as X. Bill Finger actually later publicly acknowledged that my first Batman script was a takeoff on an X story. So, which character am I talking about? Who is X?
1: So, you mentioned Orson Welles. He was part of some... Radio production of it? Did you mention Yeah, that?
0: the radio production. So there have been a lot of adaptations of this particular thing. There's been radio programs. There has been comic strips. There have been comic books which have been published. At some point also, I think the syndicated daily newspaper comic strip as well. Hmm. This has been published by predominantly DC Comics, Dark Horse Comics, Dynamite Entertainment. And uh, what was the time frame one more time? So it branched off to become its own character. In 1931. Okay,
1: so this is a guess kind of in a roundabout way. Mm-hmm. Because I know some of the inspiration behind mass superheroes comes from the mask of Zorro. Zorro? Is Zorro the character in question?
0: No, of course Zorro is not the character in question. Yes, you are right though, that a lot of you know mass superheroes. And uh, the archetype of the Marx superhero comes a lot from Zorro. But no, this is not Zorro. Hmm. Basically, see, when you look at Batman, Batman is a guy where he has no superhuman abilities, right? Hmm. That is the same for this character in print and radio, where he's an expert detective, skilled marksman, is a master of disguise and stealth. But in film and in some radio shows, he's been given certain psychic abilities and low-level superhuman strength as well. Okay. And another thing he has common with Batman is that he uh, basically operates on fear, terrifying criminals in uh, the name of justice. Okay, I'll give you another cue. Gibson himself claimed that the inspiration for this particular character was Bram Stoker's Dracula.
1: So, Gibson is the creator of the character in question. Of
0: the the character in question. As I mentioned, there have been a lot of, I think around at least five feature films on this character. And the last one was released in 1994. And was played by Alec Baldwin Alec Baldwin 1994 in the movie he's given psychic powers and the ability to hypnotize people into making them think basically he clouds people's minds i think is the term used in the movie
1: That sounds like a lot of superheroes and supervillains i'm i'm not able to quite uh, narrow this down
0: yeah this is okay this is basically i asked this question because this is one of my favorite characters so it's a little indulgent question but at the same time this character is inspired a lot and has been referenced quite a lot in other shows and tvs but not many people know of them despite its rich history interesting uh, you may have heard of his tagline or at least the tagline originated when during the radio show but it's also become part of the character now who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men
1: wow this is from a comic book character that sounded and i've heard it obviously before I would have assumed it's from some classic literature, but from a 20th century comic. Oh, that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. At the end of the episode, uh, especially for the radio dramas, they also use the phrase, the weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not play. Pay. Sorry. Crime does not play. <laughs> crime does not pay. The uh, X knows. Crime does
1: not play would be very offensive to the <laughs> joke. <though. laughs> <laughs> his whole <laughs> premise of crime is to play with <laughs> and toy with his opponents. Okay, but uh, coming back to the question, hmm, I'm I'm completely blank here. I do know a fair bit of my Marvel and DC superheroes, but uh, I can't think of anybody who's served as an inspiration for Batman. So yeah, I don't know.
0: Okay, so then I'll just tell you the answer. The answer is The Shadow. Have you heard of The Shadow?
1: seen it. And I mean, literally my own.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, fair enough, fair enough. No, this is, this is one of my uh, kind of favorite characters, but I think a lot of that was influenced by the fact that I saw the movie when I was quite young, The Mm. Shadow, and it left Mm. an impression, uh, doesn't stand up now. But I think again, it's a 90s movie. And when you watch it as a kid, obviously it will seem better. But the the character itself is quite fascinating. I, I mentioned 1994 was the last time we had a movie from this character, but. Sam Raimi, for a long time, was attached to create a feature film on this. But then I think that dropped off at some point. And you've heard of author James Patterson, right? Yeah. James Patterson has, I think, restarted uh, novelizations of this character. Literary adaptations of this character as well from the 1930s. And he directly inspired Batman. A lot of Batman's characteristics come from him. He's like a socialite kind of dilettante rich person in like broad daylight. And when night comes, he turns into the shadow. Hmm. But unlike Batman, he does use guns. But then fair point, Batman in his first appearances did use guns.
1: Batman in his more recent appearances also has used guns.
0: Yeah, I don't think people consider that to be a true Batman. Let's say it's a multiverse Batman. (laughs)
1: Listen, uh... If anything, if American standards are to go by, everybody should have guns. So why not Bruce <laughs> Wayne as well?
0: <laughs> no, I, I really enjoyed uh, Batflex, uh, you know, performance as Batman. Mm. Mm. It was it was good. It brought that kind of Frank Miller esque, uh, you know, feel mm. to the movie. But overall, the movie was not good.
1: I, I would agree with you entirely, except that the fight sequence where he is using lethal force in that movie is Oh yeah, the
0: warehouse, clearing ominous. the warehouse. That warehouse. That's what scene I meant, is that one of The bruiser. He's the bruiser in that. You I mean, he literally just throws people around it. I mean, like that's what you get from the no, the comics, right? I don't think anybody's shown that, right?
1: The visceral feeling of seeing somebody's skull crack. Oh. I don't think it's captured better than that Batman film where he just throws a crate onto this uh, random thing. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it is, it is in the most uh, violent way, it is very cathartic. It is just, wow, what was that scene? <laughs> yes. All right. So that's a great question. And thank you for introducing me to a whole new world of uh, superheroes, I guess, or, or fictional characters, which I had not known before. I'm going to go check out the shadow. Crime doesn't play. (laughs) (laughs) We should make them do t-shirt. Crime doesn't play. (laughs) Okay. So speaking of an unknown origin for something commonly known. Oh, that's a terrible segue. (laughs) (laughs) You'll know why once I come to the question. Did you, were you an avid user of Windows XP?
0: uh yes reasonably
1: which windows have you used and which ones have you not used
0: okay so I have technically used Windows 3.1 95 98 98 SE 2,000 XP, uh, then this okay, right, right. Got it, got it, got it. Yes, yeah, so all you, of you, them. You. I've used all of them, but I'm not an expert in any of them. And I've forgotten a lot of those things. So okay. that's my C by A before you ask the question. <laughs> I'm actually surprised that you
1: have used 3.1 as well. Okay. yeah. But yeah. Uh, the question here, here concerns Windows XP. And this is an anecdote, but it has been shared on reliable sources. So I'm going to use it as a source for my question. The anecdote comes from somebody who used to work as a product support person for Windows XP. Now, there was something which was relevant in pop culture back when Windows XP was popular. And that particular pop culture artifact or item would cause Windows XP computers to crash. Okay. For now, I'm just going to leave you at that. Do you want to take a wild guess at what? I'm not even asking for specifics here. What kind of pop culture artifact or item was making the laptops crash?
0: Oh, is it something related to the internet as in when they were trying to load a particular website or look at something particularly?
1: You would think that's a great guess, but no, it's not, not, not.
0: Okay. uh, Okay. Were they trying to watch the Lord of the Rings DVD, which was like or the ripped version of the Lord of the Rings, which was like four hours long and Windows XP was like mercy, mercy, and then just crashed?
1: Also, fantastic guess. But no, not quite close. Closer,
0: but not quite close. Okay, so we've
1: moved from (laughs) moving from the internet towards pop culture and entertainment. You're you're getting there.
0: Okay, so wait, is this somebody trying to download songs through LimeWire and then viruses corrupt the entire thing and Windows just says mercy and crashes? (laughs) No,
1: not really, not
0: really. Okay, so
1: let me now at this point give you a hint, okay? The person in question is Janet Jackson. And have you heard Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation?
0: Yes, I have heard Rhythm Nation, but...
1: So then let's move on to the next part of the question. Why would Rhythm Nation make the Windows XP laptops crash?
0: Wow. (laughs) Rhythm Nation made laptops crash... Is it the size of the mp3 file? No. Okay, this
1: is weird. What they realized was, not only would my laptop, if I was playing Rhythm Nation crash, it might also crash the laptop of the person sitting right next to me.
0: Wait, what? How is that possible? Okay, is it like one of those things where you could, in the past, use telephone signals... You could mimic sounds and make telephone signals and uh, get things done through the internet when it was still dial-up. So is it something like that where the beats of Rhythm Nation somehow created a uh, a shutdown (laughs) command or something? No, no. No. Oh, dude, I have no clue, but I am fascinated by now.
1: Okay. So this was discovered by one of the major computer manufacturers, as you would know, as most people would know, that Microsoft at least back in the day, was not manufacturing laptops on a large enough scale. And most of Windows XP and the different Windows platforms were used on uh, other PCs. So Hmm. one of the major computer manufacturers, and I've not been able to find which one, but one of them discovered at some point in the 2000s that this particular song would make not just the laptop playing it crash, but even the laptop nearby. This had something to do with the hardware used, especially in the older laptops. So it won't happen anymore. But it used to happen in the older laptops. And hardware is a good way to think about it. The hardware in older laptops, which you would not find that kind of hardware, you would not find in newer laptops.
0: See, I could guess that maybe the song for some reason caused something to overheat and shut down. But then why would it cause the laptop nearby to do the same thing? Is it the vibration from the laptop speakers or something?
1: Oh, you are you are just just circling the answer.
0: Circling around the answer. Oh, God. Uh, vibration, this it caused the, I don't know, the processor get seated from it. But I don't know. I have no clue. Man. This is the, this is as far as I go.
1: You are aware that laptops these days, computers these days do not use the old classic hard drive anymore.
0: Yeah, we use solid-state drives, most of them, right?
1: Lovely. So you are aware of that. So older hard drives used to actually have a spinning disk. Yes. And we're talking about a song. Can you make that connect for me because you're so close i just wanted to get
0: it it'll be playing it off the hard disk right and the hard disk spins at a predetermined speed and they'll have a a predetermined speed
1: perfect perfect okay so i'll give it to you at this point because rhythm nation contained one of the natural resonant frequencies on laptops with oh. 5400 rpm.
0: <laughs> okay
1: and it was one of the few songs that does have it So if I was playing it on my laptop, not only would my own laptop crash, (laughs) if your laptop, like next mine, also had a similar hard drive, your laptop would also crash. Imagine that as like, you know, one of the plot points in a Mission Impossible film, like, (laughs) or a James Bond film. Stop
0: Janet Jackson. (laughs) Yeah,
1: villain has decided that they're going to destroy the world, bring down Wall Street and uh, the US government and the British government by playing Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation. (laughs) and uh, interestingly enough eventually the way to fix this problem was to add a filter to the speakers so that they would eliminate that particular frequency so it would oh. not play that specific frequency
0: this reminds me of that uh, thing where uh, an army crosses a bridge and uh, because they are stepping in a tune to the same resonant frequency of the bridge the bridge collapses
1: this this i believe was like 7th standard physics when we learned it and then <laughs> yeah well, this would be an update to seventh standard physics. <laughs> Janet Jackson's a <the> rhythm
0: nation. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, I'm going to give you a list of names, and you have to tell me what is common among them. It's a non-exhaustive list, but I'll give you a list of names. Constantine the Second, John the Eighth, Gregory the Sixth, Sylvester the Fourth, Innocent the Third, Nicholas the Fifth, Clement the Seventh, and Felix the Fifth.
1: Latin origin names and numbers, I'm going to guess, does it have anything to do with the popes?
0: Of course. That is what the answer I knew you would give. But they are not popes. You are very close, but they are not popes. So if you were, say, looking at the Judeo-Christian religion, especially the Catholic religion, and if I told you that these were not popes, what would your opposite answer be?
1: The opposite of popes? Um... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Judeo-Christian religions and uh, not Popes
0: no no think of the think of the Catholic religion in general not just Judeo-Christian Catholics in general
1: hmm interesting Catholic specifically is it the person who plays the devil's advocate
0: in the no no they're not they're not the place that they basically the title is the devil's advocate so they don't play but so no these are not those you're closer with popes but not close at all at the same time like (laughs) i've given you the clue the opposite think the opposite think the opposite of pope exactly
1: (laughs) which is basically the head of the roman catholic church yeah, I'm trying to think what is the opposite, right? The foot of the Roman Catholic Church.
0: No, 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 no. You are you you're thinking too much. You're thinking too much. Very simple question. What is the opposite of a pope? My clue to you would be: say, for example, in the Bible, Christ is the savior, the redeemer. Okay. Who's the opposite on that side? Anti-Christ. <laughs> Anti-Christ.
1: <laughs> I love how you to handhold me into that answer.
0: <laughs> and so, who would be the opposite of the Pope? The antipope. Yes. So these people, all I've mentioned, they're all (laughs) anti-popes in Latin, anti-papa. So these are all people who claim to be the Bishop of Rome and the leader of the Catholic Church in opposition to the legitimately elected Pope. So what happens is due to many uh, political and religious reasons, there may be two factions uh, or maybe somebody propped up by the Holy Roman Empire as an anti-pope.
1: Okay. So these are all
0: people who were anti-popes.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: So between especially the 3rd and mid-15th centuries, antipopes were supported by factions within the church itself and other secular rulers.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: I would suggest uh, everybody listening, uh, as I mentioned last week, I had recommended this podcast called uh, Noble Blood. If you want to listen to a hilarious antipope, about a hilarious antipope, you can listen to the episode called The Thrift Shop Pope, which talks about uh, Pope Michael the First. It is a story you would have to hear to believe.
1: Oh, wow. That is uh, pretty cool. I'll check out the episode. That sounds great. So because you were inspired by an important podcast episode that you loved, I'm going to use another podcast episode that I recently heard and I thought was fantastic. And I'm going to use that as an inspiration for this question. And I'll tell you at the end of the question what podcast and which episode it is. The question is, there is a song X that has dubious origins. We're not quite sure where it originated from. Which is rare for songs. Usually you know exactly where a song comes from. And this is a modern pop song. So it isn't even like a random old ancient song that people would not know about. It's a modern song. Yet people do not know exactly who came up with it. Tell me what song X is. And here are the potential origin stories for X. A Trinidadian artist, Anslim Douglas, claimed that the song, quote, is a man bashing song. Here it helps to understand the fact that One of the most iconic lines from the song, which people might not associate with man bashing, actually is a term that is used to describe men and how badly they might behave towards women sometimes. Okay, so this is origin number one. The other origin stories, or at least the second one, is that it was created by 20 Fingers and Gillette in 1995. And... It had actually been inspired by something which was created even earlier in 1992 by the rap duo Miami Boom Productions out of Jacksonville, Florida. This was actually inspired by 1987 song Pump Up the Party by songwriter and producers TVB, which is released under the pseudonym Hassan and included the iconic lyrics, which became the name of X eventually. So Pump Up the Party was a 1987 song. It inspired a 1992 rap duo, which eventually became a 1995 song. And all of these songs have something in common, which is the potential second origin story for X. Now, the third oh. and the last one that I'm going to tell you has got to do with a high school football game mascot. And whenever this football team would be performing, the supporters would be chanting something. And that also became a potential origin for X and uh, how it might have inspired the musician compose x so here we have three different origin stories one has to do with it being actually a metaphor for man bashing and and how men behave badly towards women so a feminist kind of a song the second is actually based off a of pump of the party which is a popular enough song in 1987 and it was resampled and reused eventually and it became over time it evolved into this song and the third one is a chant that supporters of a certain high school team would say every time the mascot came out and uh, what is this song in question x
0: okay to say that i am lost would be an understatement <laughs> it's more like being at point nemo with no ships around i'm at the, the most isolated place on earth right now i have no clue which song this could be
1: you have heard this song, you have probably sang the song and I can imagine most people around you have heard and sang this song. Like it is that common a song.
0: Okay. Okay, the man bashing thing is not going to give me anything because unless I know the term, I don't think I'll be able to get it. A song with this kind of pedigree from the 80s and it became the 90s. Wait, is it Tup Thumping's Chumpa Bumba or something there? No. Okay, because I was thinking when you said high school football, maybe I'm like, I get not now, but no. It released in the 90s, you're saying, right?
1: Okay, actually, the official song that is probably the most famous version of the song came out on 26 July
0: 2000.
1: 2000? Yeah, but it has had iterations or some potential earlier version in the preceding decades as well.
0: Wow. When you started off with your first clue, I thought maybe... No woman, no cry, or there ain't no sunshine, something like that. But no. Dude, you'll have to give me some other clue. I am lost beyond description. You said a
1: very interesting word, but I will use that as a clue later. Let me actually focus on the third uh, origin story here. And let me give you a bit more context. So John Michael Davis from Michigan actually contacted the podcast producer that I actually found this piece of trivia on and told him that his hometown is sometimes referred to as the Dash Patch. Dash is again a very specific word that is used as a lyric in X and also in the title of X. The Dash Patch and also Dash also refers to, by the way, the phrase you would use for misbehaved men. So it connects back to first origin story. So anyways, the, the Dash Patch and the crowd at the high school football games, frequently chanted X, which or a version of X, which became the title eventually of the song. This was in the state championship run in 1990. So does that lead you a little bit closer? It is a dash patch which inspired the slogan, which became the title X. Dash also goes back to the first origin story and is a word that would be used to describe a misbehaved man. And again, this is not a very uh, unknown or uncommon word. It's a very common word that would be used to describe man who is misbehaving towards women
0: um two thousands song this isn't a santana song or something right is it no oh god i'm just i am not able to parse these clothes together nothing zip zilch nada you have succeeded in creating a question which is absolutely stopping. Not that you've not done it before, but this one I think is by far the. I have no thoughts. My brain is just like crickets right now. They're just crickets or noises of crickets right now in my
1: brain. Okay, so let me tell you the word that you said that that was very curious choice that you used just now. You said this pedigree of song.
0: Wait, who let the dogs out?
1: <laughs> who let the dogs out is actually the song. Yes, you're right. Oh
0: my god. <laughs> Yes, now it makes more sense. Dogs, men who misbehave, dogs, yes. Baha men, who let the dogs out? Who, who,
1: who, who? Exactly. (laughs) And the chant would be in the high school games would be, ooh, let the dogs out. So let the dogs out was a statement over there. Because they were referring to the fact that this was, the dog patch was actually what was used for the hometown as well. And so the high school supporters would say, ooh, let the dogs out. That became one of the potential sources for who let the dogs out. The other sample that I was talking about from the 1987 song, which was Pump Up the Party. The lyric over there was, Who's rocking this dog's house? And uh, (laughs) Miami Boom heard this. They thought that was a really cool lyric and they decided to sort of twist it and turn it and it became who let the dogs out. So who's rocking this dog's house became who let the dogs out. And uh, clearly they had a winner at their hands. Now, the 2000 version that I spoke about, two th- 26 July 2000, the song that was released in a top multiple charts, it was by a band called Baha Men. Wow. And uh, it's just one of the most popular songs. It, it has pretty much lasted more than two decades. And uh, most people would be hard pressed to claim that they've never heard this song before.
0: Now, I think some people of Generation Alpha and Generation Gen Z might say that because I don't hear it as much as I used to.
1: Perhaps, perhaps, but I would still say it, it. as far as pop songs go, it is one of the songs which has stood the test of time at least for a while now. And I don't mean to say that it is great or anything because that can be a controversial opinion. In fact, there was a Rolling Stone poll about the most annoying songs ever. And I think Who Let The Dogs Out came in at number three. So I'm not claiming that it is high <laughs> art.
0: No, it's not. Yeah.
1: It, it does. It does stick with you. It, it has yeah. a quality that sticks with you. This is the origin story for Who Let The Dogs Out. And rather, I would have to say the controversial or not quite settled origin story for Who Let The Dogs Out. And the podcast in question. And you have to listen to it because I think I did only a half decent job at recounting the origins for this song. is from a very great podcast show, 99% Invisible, 99PI as it's also called amongst its fans. And the episode okay. in question is episode 389. Whom's amongst us let the dogs out again.
0: (laughs) Okay, I really like the title.
1: (laughs) If the title is anything to go by, the episode is phenomenal as well. You absolutely, every listener of this show, once you're done with this episode, please go check out 99PI and go listen to this specific episode because they do a tremendous job of explaining all these potential origins and how they all have some level of truth to it. So nobody's really lying over here. All of them are kind of On the mark, but
0: yeah. (laughs) Okay, now, since you gave me the origin story of a song, I am going to the origin of a particular name. A name, again, which I am sure that you have heard and your friends have heard and everybody has heard. Even if they've not directly interacted with it, they will have at least seen it. The origin of this name, X, is unknown. Okay. But there are many hypotheses. One of which... In that it's from a French word meaning gold. Mm -hmm. Another is that it's from a Greek word meaning nice or attractive. Mm -hmm. Others believe that the name was chosen because the name was short and easy to pronounce. Okay. Still another theory by Stella Parks is that the name derives from the Latin name of a genus of the Laurel family. She observed that the original design of X includes a Laurel wreath. What is X?
1: Laurel Wreath makes me think of when films win awards, they are they have that Laurel Wreath surrounding
0: Yes. The the, the thing is you have to remember that my, my question I specifically mentioned that the original design of X included a laurel, laurel Wreath. It no longer does.
1: Ah, okay. Sorry, and what is the context of this? Where would I have seen or heard or whatever consumed of this?
0: Mm. Uh, let's keep that for later in our pocket.
1: Okay, all right, all right.
0: Because that's going to be my first clue. So let's see if you can get anything from this. If not, I will tell you who Stella Parks is.
1: You also said gold and I'm trying to think Oro. Oh, is it, is it Oreo?
0: (laughs) Yes, my clue is going to be that Stella Parks is a food writer.
1: Oh, lovely question. I love that so much. I just got it because of the gold. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, the French word or meaning gold, which comes from the Latin orum or Oris. The Greek word Oreo means nice or attractive. Stella Parks, the food writer, her theory is that the name derives from the Latin Oreo Daphne, which is a genus of the Laurel family. Now, her theory comes because the original design of the Oreo cookie, which you can see online had a laurel wreath and there are posters and you can see copies of ads of the original ads from the national biscuit company which we now know as nabisco uh, in which the oreo sandwich is advertised and you can see the oreo biscuit with oreo written in the center and a laurel wreath all around it so these are some of the theories on how we got the name oreo and great crack by the way my clue is going to be i uh, stella passes the food writer and uh, think of the latin name for gold
1: so here I got to confess that I did not think of Latin orus and Aurum. Now that you say it, of course, I should have thought of that. Instead, I was thinking of the Spanish Oro. <laughs> and that's why Oro
0: was very close to Oreo. And that's how I got it. <laughs> oh, okay, No, fair enough. All of those have Latin origin, So any, all of yeah. that is uh, perfectly fine. So... Oreo, maybe a lot of people don't know this,
1: but is an imitation or was, well, you, somebody might call it even a ripoff of the original, which is Hydrox. There's a biscuit. Oh. Hydrox which was the original which was very similar to what an Oreo is. Oreo just surpassed it. It came in as a competitor. It would be like Pepsi came on and Coke just disappeared from the market. That's the level of usurping of the title that uh, Oreo managed to do with Hydrox. So Hydrox is the original.
0: I think Netflix and Blockbuster is a better analogy here.
1: Perhaps but I think Netflix also had the advantage of pivoting at some point and doing something Hmm, which Blockbuster did not do. They tried. Actually, there's a fun little story there as well where uh, Blockbuster also was not a stupid company. They were seeing the trends and patterns, but just the fact that they were not able to pivot as easily. Netflix was a more
0: agile company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Netflix also has some fascinating uh, stories behind it. I remember at some point they renamed their uh, DVD mailing service and there was a huge backlash from... I don't know why there were fans of the mailing service
0: (laughs) Uh, again, for our listeners, there is a podcast called as Business Wars. And there is a series of episodes, a limited series of episodes called Netflix versus Blockbuster. Fascinating story.
1: I think that's where I heard it as well. So we have recommended this podcast in the past and I continue to recommend it. It's a great, great uh, show. It's a great
0: podcast. It's a great podcast. I think we have run out of time for today. Before we leave, Aditya, do you have a question for our audience for next week?
1: Of course I do. Vineet, how could I not have a question for her? Lovely audience members, Stella Parks actually was mistaken that uh, Oreo got its name because of <laughs>
0: <piece>. <laughs> because of the. Piece, oh, we are going to get, we are so going to get sued for this. The original
1: design, no, no. I uh, Stella Parks would appreciate this answer too. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Stella Parks and then please go listen to our podcast as well. So, so I believe Oreo has its origin in India actually, and. How and why and which Indian language, this time I'll decide next week.
0: (laughs) So please stick around for that. Yeah, definitely. Come back for that. (laughs) Yes, come back for that. I had asked an audience question at the beginning of the episode. The question was, X is an honorific bestowed by the State of Israel, commemorated by a medal. Those recognized with this honorific are honored in a section of Yad Vashem, Israel's official memorial to the victims of the Holocaust. Uh, My question was, what is X? What is the honorific itself? And what is the reason it's conferred? Why is it conferred? Any guesses, Aditya?
1: Is it the same thing that Oscar Schindler also got? Is it the... Yes. Yes. I don't remember the name. or I mean, I'm not able to recall it right now. It is the honorific that is given to any non-Jewish person who helped the...
0: Exactly. So you've you've got it. The, The honorific is Righteous Among the Nations. Correct, yes. It's called Righteous Among the Nations. It's an honorific used by the State of Israel to describe non-Jews who risked their lives during the Holocaust to save Jews from extermination by the Nazis. Right.
1: And uh, I think watching Schindler's List at the end when the title card comes, I think that's where I first saw that. And that was a pretty cool little piece of trivia. I really, really like that as an ending for a film, by the way. What a beautiful ending where um, they all go pay their respects at the the grave of schindler oscar schindler
0: there is a a british official who during world war ii helped smuggle out a lot of jewish babies during the occupation of france i don't remember exactly where it was from somewhere in europe he helped a lot of babies escape the nazis what he did was almost completely unknown And then Hmm. during the 1990s, the BBC organized a program where they kind of honored him, where they brought him into this auditorium and they sat him in the front row. Yes. And uh, they asked him about what he'd done and they told people about what he'd done. And there was one person sitting next to him who was one of the babies that he had rescued. And they talked about it. And then the end, the anchor says, is there anybody else here who was saved by this man's actions? And every single person in the auditorium stands up. My God, that moment gave me chills. I think there's a movie coming up on this person. I just cannot remember his name right now. Apologies, we'll include it in the fact check. But yeah, this is definitely one of those moments. And again, before we leave, what's your podcast or uh, pop culture recommendation for the week?
1: I already made a podcast recommendation just to repeat it one more time. Please go check out episode 389 from 99% Invisible, 99PI. And the name of that episode is Whomst Amongst Us Let the Dogs Out Again. It is the origin story or origin stories of who let the dogs out and where it potentially could have come from. Fantastic episode. And uh, once you're done with that, you could also go watch this film that I recently watched. It's in the theaters. Here, I have to admit, I am, I am a sentimental fool. Sometimes, even the most basic of films, it gives me a nice little cathartic cry. And I had that experience very recently, so I'll share it with the listeners. 12th Fail. 12th Fail is a movie right now out in theaters. It stars Vikran Masseyh. It is very simple, very beautiful, and I believe inspired by a true story. It's a film that hits the right spot. So, yeah, I I watched it very recently and I would recommend people to go check it out.
0: Great. I have, apart from the podcast that I've already recommended in this episode, as I Noble Blood, which I recommended last week, and Business Wars, which both Aditya and I have recommended in the past, I'm going to recommend a completely different podcast from what we usually listen to or what we usually talk about or recommend. The podcast is called Jackie the Ripper. It is one of the weirdest audio dramas I have ever heard. I'm not saying it's weird in a sense. It's got some excellent voice acting, very good audio design. It's very well produced. Three seasons of Jackie the Ripper. And I'll just give you a little tease about what it's about. It is a fictional audio drama about a gender-swapped Jack the Ripper story. Set in modern day Whitechapel and presented as a comedy. What
1: <laughs> the comedy part really threw a curveball, okay?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, just to give you, it's like airplane like comedy. So, you have, I think, one character says, I was once even hit by a sniper, and they're like, What? Yeah, slap me right across the face. <laughs> So, that kind of comedy, three seasons of it, it does drag on. It's not perfect. It does drag on a little bit in places. There are a little too many rants from one of the main characters, but it is very well done. Okay, great. I love that. And that's all for this episode. Thank you for listening in. We hope you enjoyed the show and learned something new. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing to our podcast and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast platform, wherever you are. Just take two seconds after listening to this to go subscribe to us and to leave us a five-star review. It'll help us reach a wider audience and allow more people to discover and enjoy the show. We'd also love to hear from you, feedback, suggestions, even trivia. You can send us questions that you want asked on the podcast. For that, just send us an email at areyouquizzingme at gmail.com. In the subject line, you can just write a question for the podcast and write the name of the podcast presenter who you want to ask the question. So if you want me to ask the question, just write Vineet in the subject line. If you want Aditya to ask the question, just write Aditya in the subject line. And Scouts Honor will not look at those emails. So it will be a surprise to us, uh, to the opposite party. In any case, you can reach us also on Instagram at Are You Quizzing Me? We appreciate your support and look forward to sharing more episodes with you in the future. Thank you again for tuning in and have a great day. Aditya will be back with the fact check just after the musical sting.
1: See you guys next week. And here's the fact check for the episode. The word IO was included in the OED in 2016. 19th century Englishmen coined the phrase Italian of the East when describing Telugu. In July 2011, Netflix announced that it would divide its streaming and DVD video services, offering DVD rentals under the brand name Quickster. Less than one month after the change was implemented, Netflix backpedaled its plans after intense backlash from users and losing an estimated 1 million subscribers. Sir Nicholas George Winton was a British stockbroker and humanitarian who helped to rescue Jewish children who were at risk of being murdered by Nazi Germany during the Holocaust. The wider world found out about his work in February 1988, during an episode of the BBC television program, That's Life, when he was invited as a member of the audience. The host of the program introduced Winton to children he had helped rescue. Later, in a follow-up, the host asked whether anybody in the audience was among the children who owed their lives to Winton, and if so, to stand up. More than two dozen people surrounding Winton rose and applauded. The host then asked if anybody present was the child or grandchild of one of the children Winton saved, and the rest of the audience stood. The 2023 biopic, One Life, is based on his life. And that's all for the fact check.